and you, Chris, are a physio. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, I am. Yes, yeah, physio, uh, chartered physio. Mm-hmm. Um, got a sports science background, so yep. studied sort of the the movement and the science behind sport. Is there any story that 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 really has not scarred you, but has really ingrained itself into you that you've gone wow you know this is a lot deeper this is a lot more serious than people realize yeah i mean there's one and it's probably not something that was a regular occurrence yeah. but sort of nuances of that stays with me forever just come back from injury just gone out to train as he was walking out to train and he come running back in and all the right. all the managers like Straight away. yeah hands up to me what's going on like what's he doing is he right is he not right is he injured is he not straight injured? to you straight on it yeah straight on it he's like I need to go. I, I, I need to go. I was like, what, what's going on? Mm-hmm. I, I can't say I need to go. Two days? Yeah, two, three days gone. Couldn't get hold of him. Couldn't ring him, anything. I'm getting questioned, where is he? Like, I don't know. Like, I, I've tried to phone him, tried to contact him. really unlike him. Um, it turns out he'd, he'd lost his baby. How you, How you doing, doing, buddy? How you doing? Nice to meet you. How's yeah, things? nice to meet you. Yeah, good. How are you? Good, good, good. So you've travelled from where today? Uh, sunny Shrewsbury. Shrewsbury. Yeah, it's been uh, yeah, a bit of a journey, but no, it's uh, great to be here. Nice, mate. Well, listen, first of all, it's great to have you on and welcome to the Ether podcast. Um, as you know that this platform, my podcast, is for the people, i.e. yourselves, uh, to give an honest and open and what happens in the real world sort of view on whatever you do. And you, Chris, are a physio. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, I am, yes. Yeah, physio, uh, chartered physio. Mm-hmm. Um, got a sports science background, so yep. studied sort of the, the movement and the science behind sport initially. Yep. Found a, a real passion in the way the body worked and what happened when it broke down or breaks down. Yeah. And then ways we can sort of reduce the risk of, of that happening, but also then fixing it when it inevitably does. So you uh, work in the football industry, so with premiership clubs? Have, uh, yeah, have done. I've sort of okay. quite a, a wide range. So um, worked for 15 years or so in, in lower leagues, um, leagues one and two. Yep. With Shrewsbury Town. Mm-hmm. Um, then moved. Are they rubbish, are they? No, no, no. They're not, not rubbish, <laughs> just not good. <laughs> no, no. They're going to be in trouble yeah, now. Exactly. Like, That's late in the podcast. That's it. No, they're great. Yeah. Great club backpedaling, mate. Yeah, no, no. No, no. they're a great club um, and spent, as I said, sort of 15 years, uh, mm. massive part of my career there with so many fond memories yep. um, then kind of went up the food chain a little bit into the championship with Ipswich um, mm. and, and that didn't go so well okay why's um, that a lot of it to do with culture in my opinion um, I think okay so a, to go back in. there so so you've worked as a physio um, um, division one two you mm-hmm. work your way up yeah um, and then you uh, a lot of people think that football is this glamorous sort of uh is it a multi-trillion dollar Not or multi-trillion yeah, pound yeah. industry? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and the whole world, the whole country is obsessed by it. Yeah. You know, people plan their weekends over it. People ditch their families over it. They're like, right, I've worked all, um, all week. I'm now going out with the lads to the football. It's it's almost a cult. It's almost it's an, cult. An, an, an obsession. Yeah. So you work your way up to Ipswich, you say? Yeah, Ipswich in the championship. And it was a, a club very much in transition at the time. Yeah. Um, sort of very much punched above their weight for a number of years um, with Mick McCarthy as manager. Um, he decided to step away. Yep. They, they decided to go slightly different direction with a, a new manager. 
um, who came in with a lot of sort of changes afoot and, and wanted to sort of make different ideas and, and push, uh, I guess, science and, and innovation uh, forwards. And, and looking back in hindsight, probably wasn't the right time to do it as quickly as that it happened. Yep. Um, uh, there's a lot of sort of um, instability, I guess, around the, the club at the time um, and, and didn't go so well, the culture within the club. So talk to me about the culture within the club. What do you mean with the culture? Do you mean a mix of culture or, or just people not agreeing or, or did you obviously foreign players in there, the understanding, the language barrier? What do you mean by a mix there of culture? A, yeah, a whole mix. So mm-hmm. it's sort of you walked in on day one and you kind of put, hire teams up on a pedestal to think that these teams have won big accolades in the game. They've got yep. a massive ground, mm-hmm. should have a big setup. Yep. So you walk in with almost preconceived ideas of yep. how people will be, um, how the facilities will be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and very quickly we walked in and, and in truth, I was like, oh my God, we've got a bit to do here. Um, and what do you mean as in equipment wise, as in yeah, the, equipment processes, yeah. infrastructure. Yeah. Um, and then sort physios. Of, yeah. Yeah. Across yeah. the boards. The new sort um, of generation of looking it. after athletes. Yeah. Were they quite old school in their approach still? Very. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. sort of the GPS, the, the sports bras that the players wear yeah. that people typically see now, um, mm-hmm. that is, is common hat now in, in football. Yeah. Um, and, and I walked in and was like, right, where's the GPS? What units are we using? Mm. Oh, we haven't got GPS. Yeah. And it was, that was day one. And I was like, wow. Okay. Can I see the gym? Yeah. Walked down into this building and, um, the, the gym was a school hall, basically. Um, wow. very sort of. And what year was kit. this? Oh, this was probably about six years, five years ago. Oh, so not, not Oh no, recent. recently. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, so relatively recently. Yeah. So. Wow. Straight away, then we're going into the, the the ownership and saying, right, okay, we need X amount for for GPS vests, we need X amount for gym kit, and th- this is a club that feel that they they're punching above their weight, but they're a big club. Yeah, of course. So it's almost like we're, we're battling against the their preconceived ideas of no, we're a big club, we're we're a championship club, we've won accolades at higher levels, FA Cups, and mm-hmm. but actually they're slipping backwards and regressing. Um, and then sort of the culture around the club was was very similar to that in the fact of the mindset was we're Ipswich Town, we're, we're a big club. Mm-hmm. And they are, they, yeah. they absolutely are a big club, but there was just a, a, almost a change in the guard and there needed to be sort of time that went through. Yeah. Um, so unfortunately, the, the sort of players were used to a certain way of training, a certain sort of volume of training a week. Mm-hmm. Um, we then went in and, and significantly lifted that because... Mm we believe that the, the fitness levels were paramount to performance. Um, and and what did that look like? What did the old, the, the, the old school way of training, but what did the, the way of training look like when you got there to, to what it is now? Yeah, well, so I'll, just talk I'll me through you, a regular day that, that how the guys train. Yeah. So uh, sort of twofold, I'll, I'll tell you a, a bit of an anecdote of, of what happened after, which was typical mm-hmm. um, of the culture, I guess. But in terms of a typical day, um, depending on where you were in the week leading up to a game. So if you were playing sort of a, a week-wise on a, a Saturday, mm-hmm. what we typically do is, is train on a Monday would be relatively light for those that played the, the Saturday previous. Um, but then the ones who hadn't played would train a little bit more to try and up their minutes. Yeah. Tuesday would be a really tough day um, with two sessions in the day, um, generally a, a fitness and football session in the morning with then a conditioning weight session in the afternoon. 
um, a day off Wednesday for recovery, although players would come day in. Off. And, ah, listen, day off. You're resting the mind as well as the body. That's a big ah, part of yeah, it. No, it um, is, Thursday, we'd then do another double session. So it'd be um, football session in the morning um, with some more lighter sort of weight orientated movements in the afternoon. Um, and then going on to Friday, it would be sort of a reduced session. You'd, you'd be looking at an hour and a quarter-ish training, but a lot of that would be more on the, the tactics for the game upcoming. Yeah. Um, we typically then travel wherever we're going if we were away um, on the Friday, ready for the game on the Saturday. Um, but kind so of... full on, full on. Yeah, schedule. it is. And, and again, a lot of sort of mental drain as well because you're getting thrown... Well, the players are getting thrown a load of information about mm. what their direct opposition is going to do, what they likely will play, what position mm. they'll play, formations. Mm. So not only is there a lot of physical stimulus, but a lot of mental drain that I don't think necessarily gets sort of reviewed and understood yep. from the general public that these lads are watching clips of their direct opponent... Um, sort of common passing They're going deep. Paths. Yeah, really yeah, deep. And, yeah. and it, it's a science. Yeah. Welcome to my Mind Over Muscle Festival, hosted by myself and Middleton. You're in trouble. Now, once you go through these gates, there's no going back. Let's do this. With 250 acres to play with and to fill, come along, fill it up, and come play with Team Ant. My Mind Over Muscle Festival, hosted by myself and Middleton, is open to all. Come along, face your fears, and unlock your true potential. This festival is open to all abilities. It will be action-packed, fear-defying, and a coming together of positive, like-minded people, encapsulated with the main ingredient, fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, the sort of the anecdote, I... Um very quickly went in in pre-season and uh, we were playing a, a warm-up game, if you like, um, yep. on the Saturday. So we were going through the warm-up process on the Friday and being pre-season, we're trying to get a lot of fitness into the lads. Sure. And uh, we're just starting the warm-up on the Friday. The, the lads are sort of jogging around. And one of the players turns around and says, will we be done after this? And um, I'm like, no, it's pre-season. Like, we'll, we'll have another hour and a half. Yeah, we, we'll be like yeah. going into the game fatigued. Just starting. And he's like, I've, I've got a tea time booked. I'm like, well, you're not going to be making that, mate. Like we're training, we're working here. He's like, well, yeah, but like previously with the old manager, then I'd just do this and then I'd go and play golf. I was like, not before a day of a game. Like you won't be able to. We've got a load of information to get into here. It's pre-season, so we're trying to up your fitness. So very quickly, it was almost night and day for the players. Right. Um, in hindsight... And how do they take that? You know, when you look at the players, they have this stigmatism behind them. that They're all prima donnas and what you've just said there sort of fits into that sort of uh, realm, shall we say. Are they... Are they hard to fucking deal with? Are they, are they, are some of them wankers? Let's some of them, yeah, straight. Yeah, yeah, they I'll come in straight. and they treat you like shit yeah. and they think they're, they're in their head, they're fucking champion league fucking players. Yeah. and. yeah. And I guess it's kind of their upbringing. So like these players mm -hmm. now in, in the system that we've got, they go in at under seven, being told they're a will beater. They're going to be the best footballer in the world. They're going mm -hmm. to earn tens of thousands of pounds. They're going to not have to worry about work after football. So they almost get put into that that mindset. So all they know is I'm the best. Like, why would I need you? Well, yeah. actually, I'm the physio that keeps you on the pitch. <laughs> yeah. So that's why you need me. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of them do. However... I've met some of my best friends and, and some people I speak to on a daily basis in football who are the nicest, most grounded people. Mm -hmm. 
even at the top of the game, um, yeah. there's, there's people sort of playing in the Prem who I speak to now on a, a sort of daily, weekly basis mm-hmm. who are absolutely brilliant, eternally grateful for the, the small piece of work that I did to help them. Yeah. Um, yeah Realising that it's a team, you know, there's, a, there's loads of, to- yeah. there's loads of working parts here. There's the small cogs that, that, that behind there that if you took that out, then you wouldn't be on that pitch. That's it. And I, I think some of honest. the, yeah, absolutely. I think some of the, the more sensible of the, the guys who are making it into the top end now, they're kind of investing in themselves. So there's one in particular who is, he's got himself a strength conditioning coach outside of football to come into his house. He's employed a full-time chef. So they, they see themselves as a business, I guess, in, mm-hmm. in their own right, that they're investing in their business yeah. rather than just going pissing it up the wall or buying the latest Lamborghini or, mm-hmm. or whatever it might be. Um, so there is sort of... I like a Lamborghini. Yeah, yeah, I, I do like a I Lamborghini. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. <laughs> would. um, but yeah, my uh, my thoughts are there are some brilliant people there. Brilliant in football. Um, some of them are, I guess, a, a victim of, of the industry. Yeah, of the environment. Yeah, it the, is. Uh, and, and like, again, even at the level of Ipswich, which is still relatively low level compared to the, the top four in the Prem... Like I, I get yeah, but they're to, not too far behind. No, you know, they're, championship no, they're not. Is no, like, there's that fine on. line of that's it. You know, of of breaking into the into the into the Premier League, definitely, where, and, know, and that's, that's where the luxuries are. That's, that's it. Yeah. So, and it's one of them where like I'd go there and we, we'd be flying to a game, for example, and I'd get into a training ground and they'd be like, right, have you got your passport? And I wouldn't, I wouldn't even be out my car before my passport's getting taken off me, same as the players. Mm-hmm. And they don't want for anything, these lads, yeah. and. Um, it's kind of twofold. I, I understand it because they go through such a, an amount of mental torment through the week in terms mm. of fighting their niggles with their body. Um, yeah. No no football player will go out onto a pitch 100% fit, period. Yep. Absolutely simple. They're always carrying a knock, um, a mental issue, mm-hmm. uh, remnants of an old injury, it, a tiredness. Mm-hmm. Um, and you think they've got that um, sort of physical robustness? We're going to mental robustness in a minute, but that physical robustness of 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 how they were back in the day. You know, you see them not diving around. I'm not putting timing everyone with the same brush, <laughs> yeah. but you talk about these small niggles. You know, it seems like you know, they got they get a knock, they're off. You know, a lot of lot of the players back in the day, they got a knock, they got back up. Um, you know, the t- their team would rally around them, and you just see just more of a physical uh, physical game where, you know, they took knocks, they gave knocks and they'd get up and, and, and crack on with the game. But now I think they're so aware of their career and the longevity of it that, you know, it's more technical now. They don't go in for the big tackles. They, they're very aware, self-aware of, of getting injured and potentially um, being careerless or with, without a job. Definitely. I, I'm Does that gonna, affect the game? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to put my physio hat well and truly on now and, yeah. and kind of say, I believe that's because us as professionals have improved our game, if you like, as yeah. physios, that the information that we're giving over to players makes them more informed. So mm. one of my key objectives of being a physio, certainly in sport, is to make the players understand a little bit more and know the consequences and know the things they can push on with a little bit and the, the knocks and the niggles that they can go through, but also the consequences of being reckless when they were playing back in the day and they'd try and play on with a broken leg and everything yeah. else. There's a there's a very fine line, but without a shadow of a doubt, the players are more sort of intelligent and aware of the consequences of certain injuries and um, what they can go through, and and they're more much more body aware yeah. um, than what it is. That brings its own difficulties because 
any injury that they have, it's almost like I need a scan. Yeah. I need an MRI. Yeah, almost. And, that. And, uh, In like, your head, it's oh, like, right, yeah. that distraction, that niggle. That's it. Which takes you, which takes you uh, focus off the game um, and onto yourself. And therefore, you know, that can affect yourself and affect the team. It can affect the result. That's right. it, definitely. And, and any any sort of player that I've worked with that, that comes across this will laugh because I always tra- say, treat the man, not the scan. Yeah. So it doesn't, if you scan something, if I sat here today and was scanned, there would be something that would be found. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that I'm feeling it now. Doesn't mean that I couldn't do anything I wanted to, but it would find something. Yep. Then all of a sudden it's that mental sort of seed. It's yeah, like, oh, I've got that wrong. Well, you haven't been feeling that. That's nowhere near the pain point of your body. So why has that been stopping you? Yep. Well, it hasn't been stopping me, but I can see it on the scan now. And that's yeah. sort of that's the mental the issue. game. There. That's yeah, the mental side and right there. It's sort of understanding then to to find ways of breaking down those barriers of fear because mm-hmm. a lot of it is driven by fear by the lad saying, "Oh, if I play on this injury, I'm not going to get another five years out of my career," mm-hmm. which then has a consequence of mortgage, lifestyle, retirement, everything else. But yeah, it, it's one of them where you've got to try and finally balance as a certainly as a physio that what can you get the player through safely. Yeah. What can you get the best for the club? Which mm-hmm. is obviously it's a business, mm-hmm. and, and absolutely there is pressure to keep players playing, especially when they're the best players. Big business, right? Yeah, massive, massive. Yeah. Um, and so also your responsibility, your responsibility, really is so important because you're responsible for the environment that these players live in. Yeah, you know, so the environment is super important. I talk about you know being in a positive headspace. You know, you surround yourself with positive people. Make sure you're in a positive environment. Um, and you are, you've got a huge responsibility to ensure that their environment is something that's going to affect them in a positive way, psychologically and physically. How much pressure is that on you? And how much pressure do you get from the heads of the club to perform at your optimum in order for the players to perform at their optimum? Yeah. You personally? Yeah, I mean, it's huge. Like the the pressure having worked in, in football it is huge to to set the standards. Now, I think a lot of that is driven from within. Yeah. So I always call the physio room the room of truth. Mm-hmm. You will always find out if the lads are pissed off with someone, if they're unhappy, Good. if they're feeling something. So they can come in room. there and they can sit there, you can work on them and yeah. it's almost a, a, a therapy for them. It it's is, almost, yeah. Not only is. are you, you treating them um, physically, but do you, do you really get into, into their personal problems? Massively, yeah. So I, I take really seriously the, the sort of, interest in and in the biopsychosocial model i guess it is it's not mm. just treating that body and rubbing the legs or moving the knee through range of, of movement it's about getting into that that player's psyche knowing what what he's not liking knowing what he's getting agitated about knowing yep. what's annoying him knowing what his fears are fear is a big big thing and it it can be like inhibit any top performance because of that fear and the seed of doubt mm. constantly in the background. Is there any story that, that that really has not scarred you, but has really ingrained itself into you that you've gone, wow, you know, this is a lot deeper. This is a lot more serious than people realise. And this is what players have to deal with on, on, on a regular. Yeah, I mean, there's one, and it's probably not something that was a regular occurrence, yeah. but sort of nuances of mm-hmm. that stays with me forever. And, and will never, never leave me. Yeah. Um, and kind of informed, changed the way I worked. And oh, really, really, yeah, really pushed me into this, making sure that we're understanding the person and making sure we're delving deeper into, rather than just the body or what's gone wrong with the body, is there something wider or bigger that, that's tell causing me. this Tell stress? me, Chris, tell me. So um, there was a, a chap who I'd worked with 
off and on for sort of a number of years through his contract and um, he'd been injured a few times and always sort of contact injuries unlucky really more than anything yeah um and the one day he'd just come back from injury just gone out to train and um as he was walking out to train in he come running back in and obviously all the managers didn't so say, he's gone out onto the pitch out onto the pitch just turned around turned and- around straight back in and all the right. all the managers like Straight away. yeah hands up to me what's going on like what's he doing is he right is he not right is he injured is he not straight injured? to you straight on it yeah straight on it screaming across the pitch um, yeah. and that that's typical sort of my responsibility yeah, yeah, do you know what I mean yeah. so um, so I'm like what's going on so he comes flying past me in the changing room um, running he's like I, I need to go I, I I need to go I was like what what's going on mm-hmm. he's like, I, I can't say I need to go and he just disappeared. Literally off the face of the earth on the for pitch, two days. Off the pitch, I need to go. Gone. Car gone. Two, two days. Yeah, two, three days gone. Couldn't get hold of him. Couldn't ring him, anything. By this time, the the, the big wigs at the club are involved. Um, I'm getting questioned, where is he? Like, I don't know. Like, I, I've tried to phone him, tried to contact him. It's really unlike him. Um, it turns out he'd he'd lost his baby. His, um, his partner at the time um was heavily pregnant i think right at the end of her term and and lost a baby um was stillborn um fucking hell so he's gone onto the pitch gone off they're they're, they're, they're thinking who do you think you are you know you've gone off the pitch you know you don't make the rules around here mate we tell you to stay on the pitch you know and And, so there's that side of it where people are thinking right he's He's just doing his own oh, thing. He's tossed it off. He's at the end of his contract. He's he, he doesn't want to be here. All of these things were said in in that two day period, and then he phones me out the blue on sort of like the third day and was like, "Look, this is what's happened. I don't want you to tell anyone." <laughs> I'm like, "Oh shit!" Thinking sort of club against player. The player I'm acting in the player's best wishes really and best interests. He's asked me not to say anything. The club are saying, "Where is he? Have you spoken to him?" I'm employed by the club. Um, is there a uh, is there a is there a sort of confidentiality sort of line that you can't breach? Yeah, or definitely. Whether that's official or non-official. Yeah, uh, and moral as well. I yeah. think from a, a professional point of view, there's absolutely a, a patient confidentiality yeah. line that I have to go down. So what did but you also, go down when he told well, you and you were put in that position? This you know is what, what people yeah. don't realise, what happens behind the scenes. Exactly. You're put in that position where you're being employed by the club, but you've got, you know, this person who's saying, don't say anything. That's it. Yeah. And you're torn between your career, basically, and yeah, then going, yeah. right, and then someone else is um, suffering. And that's the thing. I'm a bit of a stubborn mule at times. Yeah. So I kind of, and luckily I got on really well with the management sort of overall. They were, they were brilliant with me. Yeah. Um, so I went in and said, look, I need you just to trust me on this one. Mm. I need you just to let me take the lead on it. There's a really valid reason why he can't be in, mm-hmm. but you need to just trust me. And it, even then. Did they? Yeah, uh, they did. In <laughs> fairness. <laughs> yeah. No, they did. They did. They, they were brilliant. Yep. But not without questions. Not without, oh, go on, just tell us. I won't tell anyone. So and, there's and that pressure. Yeah, there's that pressure sort of coming in. Mm-hmm. But then the pressure on the lad is... Um, when the news eventually broke a week later, he, he phoned um, the manager or the assistant and kind of said what had happened. And, and all of a sudden the tides change. Yeah. But then as a, when do you think he'll be back in? When do you think he'll be? And, and oh, it's grief. How, like how yeah. long, how can you quantify grief? Yeah, of course. Um, so I said, look, like he's going to be ready when he's ready. Um, and, and the chap was a, a lad. He wanted to be back in yeah. um, and he, he come in within a, a couple of weeks, I can't remember the exact time frame. And it was like nothing had happened. 
but there was something there with him and, and something mm. underneath, as you could well imagine. Do you think there's huge um, mental health issues, not 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 so much, uh, you know, problems, but issues in with players being able to talk, being able to open up, you know, because I know very well the military, you know, the footballers, rugby players, you know, the banters, you know, up there at the yeah, highest level. Yeah, yeah. So there's that, you know, and it's a, it's a, it's a, it is a contact sport. It's a physical sport. You know, it's, it's, no, it's, 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 it's a man's game, you it know, is, it's, yeah. it's, it's like, mean, let's, let's be honest. And uh, is it hard for, for men within that industry, football players to, to open up and talk? Yeah. Do you think and, they just cut it off emotionally and they just crack on with their work and just leave their family life or their social life or whatever it may be um, to one side? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, it's well-traveled, I guess, and people are looking into it and, and trying to put a lot of time into this, mm -hmm. um, being there for one another and everything mm -hmm. else. And whilst it's improved and people are more more open, for sure, um, there's still almost that mentality of, well, I'm, I'm not showing any weakness. And yeah. it's seen as voicing your concerns, as your fears as a weakness, which is why I believe then that the rumour truth, the physio room is all important because... You get them on that bed often in a one-on-one -on -one situation and you gently start talking and maybe start probing with your questions a little bit. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, before you know it, these deepest, darkest fears are flooding out and I'm worried I'm not going to get another contract and I've just, just got a new house and I've just paid £700 a month for a car and this and I'm not sure I've been playing well enough. I'm not sure I'm going to get a chance to show I'm good enough. Yeah. And all of these things come through and, and then you kind of get down the line and say, well, why don't you go to the manager or the coach and say, what can I do better? Like, mm -hmm. can I train more? Can I be fitter? Can I sort of be less greedy in front of goal, for example? Mm -hmm. And I, well, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not questioning. I don't want to be seen as like a, a, like a teacher's pet and going and seeing what I need to do with the manager. And there's this whole sort of changing room culture. Mm -hmm. And I kind of see a lot of synergy with military and football in terms of, the, it's a high performance environment. You uh, individual, but you rely on your team. Yeah. Um, without sort of your team, you're not going to go anywhere. Mm -hmm. But you're going to go somewhere on your own. It, there's all these sort of nuances and, and quandaries that you have as a as a footballer that you go through. Which again, military life is is very mm. similar in the the drive to, for perfection. I guess. Yeah, um, we we. We're put in a position, um, well, back in my day, and I say back in my day, I left in 2000 and uh, back in the 2011. But um, in the Special Forces, to pass selection, you have to be at the physical level of a athlete plus standard. Yeah, yeah. So it's like you're going beyond your athletes. It's so unique. You know, you're carrying extreme uh, weight over extreme distance. And there is, there's no physio. I think they've started to introduce it now. They start to right, realise. Okay. I think it was the GB, um, the Great Britain, Britain uh, rugby team or physios that were like, these guys need to be treated properly because yeah. you're giving them these big tablets, ibuprofen and, and some painkillers and, and off you go. That's, <laughs> yeah, their, that's yeah. their standard yeah, treatment. Yeah. That was our standard treatment. I remember the big pink tablets. Like the like, horse pills. Yeah, yeah. Get a couple <laughs> yeah. of them down your neck and crack on. Um, but if you look after the athlete, better because that's exactly who who what we are and who we are yeah um you can get a lot more longevity out of it but then you flip into that realm of right we are entitled to this you know it's almost a, it's such a safety blanket that it can be a distraction on who you are yeah 
what your work is. It's a task at hand, uh, isn't it? Task like, at hand yeah, and yeah. Uh, then ultimately affecting the organisation, the team, the club, whatever it may be. Um, and I found that, uh, that, that those old school traits sometimes are always good to bring to the forefront and to keep within sort of like the new school um, way that you do things, you know, the, the, the science behind it, you know, the, the technology behind yeah, it, whatever yeah. it is, um, to incorporate in the two. But um, with footballers, we see this sort of shift in from teamwork to individuals, right? And what I mean by that, just putting it out there and from what I've seen, you know, when the players get off the coach, headphones on, might have phone in hand, they're watching, they're not interacting with the team, you know, boom, it goes straight on to a, a player, for example, that that score that holds this, holds the team up, like your Ronaldo's, your Messi's, yeah, you know, yeah. everyone's trying to be that player within that organisation, where back in the day, it was like, get on the coach, make sure you dress this shirt on, tie on, blazer on, no phones, no distractions. We talk tactics, we talk, you know, we, we bond as a team on the coach, we get off, we go into that changing room together, we're there, you know, everyone is is part of that team and yeah. everyone will, will um, conform to that. Where nowadays you just see them walking into the changing room, nodding at their, almost as if they're strangers, nodding at their players, taking their headphones off. Do you think that's a huge distraction? Do you think that's a huge, um, huge change that's happened in football where now it's no longer focused on the team, it's, it's focused on the individual and the individuals play up to that? Definitely. And and I think that last point is key. I, I think there's a, a level of stigma that these lads have been created um, and, and ladies as well mm-hmm. that have been created that now they have to feel they live up to. So like this one person come in with, with headphones on and strutting in on their phone. And because that got well received, all of a sudden everybody's doing it. People are cutting their socks off at their legs and because somebody's done it, everyone does it. Yeah, it's it, like a fashion thing yeah, now. Yeah, it is. A lot of it is fashion, social media. Yeah, um, you know, looking good rather than than performing well. Yeah, you know, yeah. performing. You know, performing on on social media rather than performing on the pitch. And don't get me wrong. You know, these players have, you know, they have a hard gig because they're they're exposed. The limelight's on them. But sometimes they do themselves no favors. No favors, whatsoever. Is there a teaching or a, a method that you that you implement within these clubs to say, right, guys, get off your get off your phones. This isn't a time for you to be listening to your music. You need to really focus on the team. It's not about you. Is there is there something that or yeah. you're too scared to upset people? No, like I'm not that type of personality. Yeah. I'll, I'll kind of say as I as I feel and mm-hmm. what I think. So. I think it's about sort of having continuity in, in your message and being there and being a sort of stalemate of saying, this is what I expect. Mm-hmm. Note, like I'd never have phones in the, the treatment room. Yeah. I now sort of look around clubs and um, there's people on their phones reading newspapers. Sitting there. And exactly. And that's, again, from what I've said, that's my time to try and delve in to see what's going on, what, what the issues are in the changing rooms. Yeah, to enhance the person, to enhance their performance, yeah, therefore and to enhance the, the club. club. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, like, that was my time with the players and to kind of see where their head was at to get the best for them and their career, but also by a byproduct to the club as well. Mm-hmm. So I'd never let phones come in. Yeah. Um, and when they did, straight away they turned out of the door and, and pushed back into a change room and said, when you want a rub, no problem, but don't bring your phone in. Mm-hmm. And I think that's from sort of setting standards and, and upholding those standards. Yeah. The minute you kind of let a standard slip for one person or you kind of let a, something go, go by the wayside, 
very quickly. It's it's a cult mentality, as we've said. It's like everyone like, right, I'll see how much I can stretch it, see how much I can push it. Um, so again, as a practitioner in football, you, you're constantly being tested. People yeah. are testing their, their sort of margins, how far they can push things and the boundaries, they can stretch. So behind the scenes, you've got, you've got the, the, the team there, but behind the scenes... What is what is your team? What is the management's team? Are, are you are you really connected with the manager, with the coaches? With is it like your team? You come together, you all talk in order to 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 get the best out of the 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 team or, yeah. or, the, or the the players. Yeah, in in true van, it completely varies, and a lot of that is based on the manager's expectations. Mm-hmm. Now, I've been really lucky. the The managers that I've worked with have been brilliant, mm-hmm. and they've been really clued into this multidisciplinary, holistic approach where. Every person from a profession brings in their little bit of insight. Yeah. So the the coach might say, right, what about this drill? And then the sports scientist will say, well, we need a little bit more from them. So do that drill, but do this running. Um, and the most successful teams I've been in are the ones that work as a group within the group, if mm-hmm. you like, the bigger group, um, to sort of bring all of their expertise and blend it into one. Um, now, you're obviously going to get times where the the coaches wanted to do a certain thing for a game at the weekend and the sports scientists, fitness coaches, physios might say, oh, you, you might overcook them a little bit there. Mm-hmm. And that's where the skill in negotiation comes in, where you've got to say, right, you can do that, but we might have to sacrifice that to get it in. Mm-hmm. Um, and are these players used, do you think the players from not only the pressure from the manager, but from the from the owners of the club, so these players sometimes get treated like like racehorses. You know, they're literally put in a cycle. Um, assets. They have assets. They yep. have to perform. Yep. Um, they have to be, you know, try and not be injured. If you are, do you know what? We get you fixed as soon as possible. doesn't matter if you're 100% fit. We need you back out on that pitch. Um, have the players also, because oh, the players get a lot of shit and they get a lot, you know, they get a hard time. But... I can imagine behind the scenes because of the business, let's go above the club, let's go to the owners and, you know, who are running a business. They, they're just churning out what they need to do to get the job done, which is win games, um, accumulate points and, and, you know, to get more money into the club. Exactly that. Ultimately it is a business. Is that frustrating for you to know that they're going right? And you're, you're thinking this player isn't 100% right. Um, and you want him back. Yeah, we do. We need him back. We're missing a midfield or a, a, a wing back, whatever it may be, we need them back in as soon as possible. And the pressure on you and the moral sort of responsibility to go, well, you know, he's not really 100%, but you, that would do. And Is yeah, that hard? And that, yeah, that it's a real fine line and, and you've got to kind of put things in a balance and that's where the stress comes because you're kind of balancing three main core values, I guess. The, mm-hmm. the club's um, desire to get the player out because they're an asset. They're spending dead money if they're not playing because yeah. they're paying them every week and it's a lot of money. Um, so they're pushing to get them out. The manager wants to be playing because they they want the best players playing to get the manager most success, ultimately for the managers to potentially move up the, the ladder. Yes. Um, so that again, there's an independent... Quite a cutthroat. It's it is, quite yeah. a cutthroat. Behind yeah, the scenes, it all looks glamorous on the yeah, surface. Oh, yeah, no, it's... But behind the scenes, it's, it's, it's very cutthroat. It's, it's like the military. You know, you're, you get trained, especially the special forces. You know, they spend millions on training with you. And again, you know, they... You're, they want you on the battlefield. They want you on, on the ground. They yeah. want boots on the ground. Yeah, you know, if you're yeah. if you're not not uh, if you're injured or if you're if you're out of the game, then you know 
you're you're not an asset to them, and you 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 you're dead money really. That's it, exactly. You know, you're not only dead money, but you're like a you know you're just a spare body sitting yeah, around. Exactly that, and then you, you've got the kind of player who the player splits into two. The player wants to be playing again for their mm. own profit, for their own benefit, for their own career. But then they're also saying, oh, these just trying to push me back. I don't think I'm right. Mm-hmm. So you've got to take all of those things into, into consideration as well as the actual physical and mental state of the player and make that decision. Mm-hmm. I've put players in when they've not been anywhere near 100%, but I've been confident enough that they can do enough to safely get through. Yeah. Um, but with all these changes that go on, there's so much, you know, change of manager, change of physio, yeah, change of yeah. what happens. Like I said, that product of that environment behind the scenes, the physios, the managers, the coaches, it's changing so much all the time because they're, they're not being given the chance to perform. That must have an effect on the on the players and on the structure of the club. Yeah, it's always it, changing. It's like, wow, I've got to be on my toes. I've got to be adaptable here. I've got to, you know, the one the players are just sort of thinking, right, do you know what? I'm not going to concentrate too much on the, on the club's career. I'm going to concentrate on my career. Yeah, and it's funny what happens. And and again, not everyone might I say, but mm. uh, as an average, if you like, you, when a, a manager changes hands at the club and a new manager comes in, you very rarely have people in the physio room in the first few weeks when a new manager comes Interesting. in. All those little niggles and all those things that, oh, they can't quite train, disappear and I'm just about right to train. Uh, so again, yeah. but... Again, it, it's they human want to play. nature. They want they to impress. Want to, yeah, and they'll, they're willing to go through that little bit more pain to get them out on the pitch to impress the manager. Um, so it's, it's interesting that you say that because that's what you sort of see in the in the say the the, the generation before. They would play on their nickels. Yeah, they would yeah. they would be passionate. They'd want to play like, like your Roy Keynes, your yeah, Tony Adams. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, go through yeah. anything, wouldn't they? A brick wall. They, oh, they'll go through a brick wall. Yeah. No matter if they've got a slight niggle, and that's probably what lacks in in today's. Yeah, uh, it is there. There yeah. are there are some. That yeah, are yeah, there, there are. Of but course. again, I think it comes down to sort of the education and the, the consequence of playing on injuries. So mm-hmm. people are just acutely more aware of the bigger consequences. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Again, would they go through brick walls? Not all of them. Mm-hmm. Not all of them. Mm-hmm. And and it, a lot of it comes down to self protection. They've got a career and they've got money to make. Yeah. Um, and it, it is as brutal as that at times. Yeah, it's, um, it's transitioned. I think you know to sort of putting a, a cap on it or, or or a summary. So it's changed from sort of like a, a devoted passion towards a club to a business being one. Definitely. And, and and I think both, the players see that. Yeah, the players are exposed to it. They yeah. see it. So therefore, they treat. The club differently, they yeah. treat their careers differently, Definitely. and it has a knock-on effect to to what we call now, you know, the, oh, look at the prima donnas, they're just there for the money, they're just, just just there, you know, not really interested in playing, even though they you know they are, but there is there is a tiny substratum of that 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 is true. Definitely, and and I think there's it, it, it sticks with me again. One of a sort of older coach, really older generation, I guess, um, was speaking to the the younger lads in in the first team good few years ago now and said don't see yourself as that person see yourself as a business because you're more likely to make better informed decisions ah. for you as a person if you see yourself as a business rather than being there as a person so and that's being taught now that's being yeah and there's a lot of that educated within the definitely, player definitely yeah so all of a sudden those considerations where they say oh me as a person i could probably get myself through that game all of a sudden it's what are the wider consequences of getting me through that game and I think that's sometimes what comes through there is when players say like, 
uh, or when people see players saying, I, I can't quite play, I don't feel ready. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, fucking hell, here he goes again. And it's not that. It's just them considering their their future and their career a little bit more. And Yeah, there's multiple distractions or options that are happening behind the scenes. And as football is evolving, um, more and more of those are coming into play now. So where yeah, before it'd yeah. be like, oh, you know, I'm thinking about moving club or, you know, the couple of options, couple of, but now it's just like bang, bang, career, oh, yeah, money, investment, business, bang. But it's like they're being, you know, pepper sprayed with all these options now and all these distractions, I like to call them distractions, yeah, yeah. Um, that they, they don't focus 100% on the task at hand or the job at hand, which is winning football matches. That's it. As That's a the bread team, and butter, yeah, a team, a team. yeah, right? exactly. And I can relate to that because when I was in the special forces, um, people say to me, how much do you used to get paid in the special forces? And I was like, as a special forces operate, operator, maybe, you know, 40 grand a year. And they're like, you go out behind enemy lines for 40 grand. And I'm like, I don't think about the money. Yeah, when I was yeah. back there, I didn't think about the money. I was just so obsessed and so passionate about my job and about keeping the lads alive, you know, them keeping me alive, performing as a team. Yeah. Because I knew that we, you know, you can't do it alone that that was at the forefront of everything that I'd done. You know, getting up in the morning, getting up, going into work. I love my work. I'm going to see the lads. We're going to train. Bang. Six months in Afghanistan, every single morning. Like, lads, you're prepared. Yeah, we'll, boom. That bond, you know, I wouldn't think about money. I had zero distractions. Yeah. I wouldn't allow that to come in because I was so passionate about my job. Do you think that that passion of actually wanting to play football and wanting to be the best and wanting to be in the best sort of is is eroded now because of of uh, I'm not saying that they don't want it but it's it's so hard to uh, to focus on that that one entity because of um because of all the uh, the the teachings nowadays of businesses yeah you know, etc et definitely i think distractions is such a good sort of overview of it and there's so many multiple distractions you mentioned social media mm-hmm. like i kind of fell foul if you like of a social media a while ago when uh, when when i was at ipswich and a bit of a story behind it there was a time we we're going for a real tough period in in results um the manager made a decision to to change a lot of the the season pros who would play week in week out um we were playing leads um, so all of a sudden the, the mood state within the group just plummets because these stakeholders of the team who play week in, week out, are used to playing week out, week in, week out, all of a sudden aren't playing. So you walk into the game, the mood's really flat. The, the, the sort of older pros are kind of bringing the level down because they're unhappy. Yeah. Um, so we get to half time where I think we're drawing or maybe losing two, one, I think it was. Um, and, and the mood really flat. And I'm thinking if these lads are called upon by injury or tactical decisions in the first five minutes of the second half, they're not going to be anywhere near ready. Mm-hmm. So I end up getting a little bit of a circle together, putting the ball in the middle and, and playing piggy in the middle for want of a better description. Yeah. <laughs> and in football, putting it, uh, the ball through someone's legs, Meg's, it is like a big thing. Huge, right? Yeah. So players go out of their way just to, to make sure yeah. the player can get past them. <laughs> let them pass rather than get megged, that's right? That's it. That's it. Oh, so yeah. I'm so I'm like thinking, please, someone just get, because I know a megs will just get a bit of a reaction. Yeah. So I'm there like playing around the circle, go through someone's legs. All of a sudden, true to form, the lad's like jumping Whee! up. So I'm there <laughs> thinking, brilliant. I've got a little cue to, yeah. to get a little bit of excitement. So I'm there dancing, being a bit of a clown. Yeah. Um, little did I know, Sky Sports camera was focused slap bang on me. We yeah. were near enough bottom of the league. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and the, the commentators at the time were like, oh, it's just really disrespectful as to what he's done there, to the manager, to the club. And then, so yeah. I, I didn't think of it, anything of it. The next the sort of end of the game, we walk in, we got beat 3-1, I think it was. And I like got my phone out. And I'm like, wow, I've got loads of notifications here. <laughs> Get out of my club, yes, you scum. <laughs> People love me. <laughs> oh, straight away, notifications off. Never read anything into social media again. But for me, that's the tiny, tiny scale. Oh. These lads are getting that day in. That's a tiny exposure oh. on they're getting that. Yeah. And, and their lifestyle, day in, day out, they're getting that. Mm-hmm. So then them carrying that into games mm-hmm. and the added stress that that's sort of psychologically putting on them, mm-hmm. like no matter how hardened you are, there's almost an element of, oh God, do they actually think that? Am I actually that? Yeah, I think that's this huge distraction as well because, you know, you talk about being ridiculed really because that's yeah, what it is yeah, on, yeah. on social media yeah people know players know if they get a megs if they miss kick the ball yeah, yeah. that's gonna go viral and it's brutal so as well like, it affects their game yeah yeah because i don't care how much you you think you can cut it out because i'm very good at cutting out yeah it does penetrate sometimes yeah definitely it? especially when things go viral and you you can't help but see them because they're being forced in front yeah, of your yeah. face so it does affect the way people play because like I said, I, I know for a fact, having spoken to um, kids and play, they'd much rather let the ball go past yeah, than yeah, get Meg. Yeah, yeah. And it's a case of right. Oh, I'm glad I didn't get Meg because that might make it on social media. However, we, I've just let a, we've just let a goal in. Yeah. Well, in, because, in training in football, mm-hmm. Meg's two quid fine. So you get fined two quid oh, for getting yeah. Meg. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's like all these things, like. That, so you get a Meg in, uh, in yes. front of the, the pitch and that's why everyone's celebrating because they think I've got two quid, quid in the kitty. Yes, yeah? I love that. Um, Do you know what? Like, I absolutely love that. There's like loads of these little things that come in. Yeah. But then you think, well, they, they really stress them. in. And yeah, I remember at the them. time, like I'm, I'm, as I said, fairly, you'd like to think I'm fairly robust mm-hmm. and, and can deal with things and, mm-hmm. and can kind of block things out to mm-hmm. a degree. But then that goes on then all of a sudden within minutes there's my whatsapp groups going off with my mates all my, my best mates thinking they're being funny thinking it's hilarious mm-hmm. and i remember at that time thinking oh my god like mm. everyone is everyone you think it's hilarious this. he's being ridiculed yeah, he thinks yeah. he's been ridiculed he it's, it's gone viral it's, yeah. it's, then it affects the team because it affects the player it affects the behind the scenes it affects it's, it has this massive knock on effect i don't think people realize the the negative um, ramifications of, of of a viral um, ridicule, shall yeah, we say, yeah. that goes around not only psychologically, but um, you know that knock on effect that it has to towards the team, towards the the, the management, towards the organisation in general, and towards the sport. Yeah, you know we can go much bigger with this. You know, Megs is a huge thing in the U, in, in football in general. Yeah, everywhere around yeah. the world. You know, yeah. you see some of the managers. You know, when Messi Megs people, and it's almost then before you know it you know it's, it's gone viral and, and again it will affect the the way that people play and it will affect the way that people think um people the players well-being how, how does it affect their well-being oh hugely i mean it just feels savage thoughts for, for a lot of them and because a lot of them are that driven in a way of i've got to succeed i, ca- I can't be megged then all of a sudden it's i can't be megged then they get megged. Oh, I've been megged. Uh, what am I going to? And it's in. It's in the head. That's rent it, it free for the rest of the game. Absolutely, yeah. And and then all of a sudden, before you know it, the, the player's gone past them five times, and yeah, um, it's completely affected their is, their way of thinking, their yeah. way of playing, and and it isn't. And then like taking that outside of football into the the real world, and you can you can relate that people will make a mistake or they'll forget something. All of a sudden, mm. it's like oh, I forgot that. Mm. Oh, and it's like. It, putting in coping mechanisms, I guess, and, and dealing with those 
pressures and strains and saying, you know what? Yeah, you've got megged, yeah. but it didn't lead to anything. He didn't go and score after it or yeah. it didn't do this. You might be two quid lighter, but yeah, like, yeah, it didn't yeah, lead to anything. Yeah. Um, so like, does it really matter? Like make sure the next well, time maybe, you're in a you know, Maybe there's a way behind the scenes where Megs doesn't cost two quid. Megs is just a Megs. Do you know yeah, what I mean? It's it, like, it's like, you know, because it's, we'll give you two quid if you make a tackle. That's we'll it. give you two quid. Yeah, you know, I yeah. think there can be a whole sort of change of the guard behind the scenes of, on the whole Megan. It's funny, um, you, you mentioned earlier about the, the kind of financial rewards and mm-hmm. the education that these lads have. Mm-hmm. I've spoken many a times with sort of many people about saying what should be done, in, in my opinion, is these younger lads coming through now? I, I noticed the other day uh, a 15 year old come on for Arsenal um, in the first team. Mm-hmm. Um, and these lads who'd be earning tens of thousands of pounds should be given a basic wage yep. and the rest be put into a fund where they can't touch or they're, they're made to invest. Mm-hmm. And that then safeguards their future and sustains that. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, is if you then went to sign that player and said, right, I'm going to give you 500 pound a week yep. and 19,500 pound of that a week has to go into a bond or yeah. they'd, they'd be like, oh, no, I'll just go and sign down the road at another exactly. club that'll just give me exactly. 20 grand cash. It, yeah. Like, so it, it's hard because you're wrestling then an industry. Do you have financial advisors embedded in the club? Yeah. I mean, again, sort of, there's a, been a, a lot of work, certainly from the FA and the PFA mm-hmm. um, who look after the, the players well-being mm-hmm. largely. You think that'd be um, part of the, the part of the management behind the scenes. You know, you've got your manager, you've got your coach, you've got your physio. A financial advisor would be a great addition yeah. to that hierarchical structure. Definitely. And one of the, the big sort of progresses I've seen over the years now is that there's been a, a sort of a welfare or player liaison officer who typically will source externally those people. So mm-hmm. they'll be the ones who goes and gets the best investments. Or... But it's not, it's not, a, it's not, a, it's not obligated. For no, the not prerequisite it's, like, it's, 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 it's just a choice. Yeah, absolutely. See, maybe, you know, maybe making that part of a, you know, the club's ethos, you know, is, is welfare management, um, you know, you, you, physical management, psychological, you're doing all of that anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, taking that welfare management away um, in hand as well or in yeah, house yeah. could potentially, you know, stop a lot of distractions from from affecting the player's performance. Well, I was just about saying positively, yeah. reinforce their performance and improve yeah. their performance. Exactly that. Because they feel more content. The less with their distractions, future. the That's less it. um, you know, the less they have to deal with outside of what their job entails, That's i.e. It. getting the job done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the better they perform, surely. Yeah, a- absolutely. I, mm. I I know there's been a few um the Leeds manager at the time um, made the players go out and do, uh, I think it's five hours of, of effectively community service, but going mm. and doing somebody's job to appreciate. And I thought it was a really good mentality. Yeah, but is. I also know what it would have been, how it would have been received in the changing rooms. We'd have been, oh, fucking here we go again. But the enticement, yeah, the exactly. sense of entitlement, there's, so, there's a fine balance that's there. That's it, yeah. You know so these I mean? players like, were made to go and see what mm. people had to do to pay their £25 for a ticket on a Saturday. They had to go and... Um, sort of do these jobs that are classed as menial, mm-hmm. but they were doing that really to go and fund their obsession of football to watch these players on a, a Saturday who get the best meals, the best mm. kit, the best this, the best that. Mm. And I thought it was a really novel way and a really good way of doing it. Mm. 
but the, behind that, I also know what would have been said in the changing room. I've been like, oh, here we go. Like, what a shit idea. And with their money, you hear about footballers gambling, about footballers drinking excessively. Is that a huge problem within the industry, gambling and drinking? Um, I know drinking not so much now. Yeah, but, um, and, and gambling, but gambling. Yeah, gambling not so much either okay. anymore. But it, it's a lot of it is dead time. Um, and again, players don't want to sort of put themselves to be there to be shot at. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my really good friends, he... He died a while ago, unfortunately. He played football. Mm-hmm. Um, Marv Morgan. And Marv was a, a larger-than-life character. Mm-hmm. Um, been around lower league, so again, had to sort of do something after football. And I remember dream, him dreaming up this idea on the bus back from a game, saying, I'm going to start my own clothing brand. And I, I remember at the time, the manager saying, no, you're not. Concentrate on your football. And Marv being Marv was like, no, I'm starting my own clothing brand. He was drawing sketches on the bus's back. He was uh, leaving training and, and going and sort of sitting at home, dreaming out what he's going to do. Um, and and that then born uh, Fresh Ego Kids, the, the clothing brand of, of which Marv started. Mm-hmm. But in the early days of that, Marv was told, ridiculed, actively prevented from doing something that would take his time. Yeah. So instead, at the time, there's other players who would just go... Because he's contracted, yeah, getting paid yeah, good money yeah. to, focus to focus on, on the job at hand. And, and I could, mm-hmm. I, the amount of times I heard a, a coach on the day say, you need to focus on football, not your clothing brand. It, yeah. It's scary the amount of times. Mm-hmm. And, and testament to Marv, not only did he go and succeed and build a, a really strong brand um, that was his passion, but he also did well at football. So it shows mm-hmm. that... There can be a blend of passions. It can, yeah, they, it, they can work. And it the, can these be distractions can be positive, positive distractions yeah, that will in, in, uh, enhance the performance of the player, that's the it. mindset that's of the it. player, which I think is hugely important. Definitely. If they're going out, they're, they're doing something that they feel like has a pur- purposeful meaning, yeah. then they can bring that into the into their game. They can bring that into the team. They can bring that into into the performance, right? Yeah, and, and that was Marv's release. And, and instead yeah. of that, Marv would have been traipsing around town or yeah, absolutely. sat on... Instagram, whatever it might be. And, so and instead of trying to take out all the distractions, identify, distraction. identifying and really going down what, what the positive distractions are and what the negative Definitely. distractions are. Does it have a negative effect on the player, therefore the team, or does it have a positive exactly. effect? Exactly, yeah. Rather and than going, you know, right? one-stop so shop, cutting everything out, it. focus on football. It's like, no, if we can, if if this guy's going to bring two, three percent, you know, more into the game from from his positive mindset, from what he's just done, yeah. or his positive energy from what he's just achieved outside of football, that's surely just going to enhance the, the game. Exactly, and like I think we we go down a very fine line of almost generating clones in football. You know, skin yeah. fades, Dre yeah. beats, and and all that, and yeah, like the the best lads I've worked with are the quirky ones. The ones mm. are a little bit different. Yeah. Like, I a bit remember, creative. Yeah. A bit, yeah. Like, I remember, and, and you won't mind me saying, Tom mm. Eves, who's still playing now, the most off-the-wall guy, non-stereotypical footballer you or me, yeah. I loved working with him. He yeah. was articulate. He was intelligent, engaging. You'd be out and he'd whip a guitar out of nowhere and start playing. Like, he is like <laughs> We just, had a couple of people like that. Oh, it's brilliant. Yeah. But what that does as well for the team, because mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's like, oh, go on, Evesy. Go on, Evesy. Like, do something. Yeah. And he'd be there and be like, yeah, fine. Get to, or sing a song. Or, yeah. We had a play, we, we had a, we had a team member like that in the, in the Special Forces. You know, we'd come back off of a mission and we'd all be in the, you know, get back, get into the cage, cleaning our weapons, you know, ready to go again. And then you'd see someone come back come by on a, on a unicycle yeah. juggling, you know, and on, honest to God, it was, a, it was one of, one of our pals and he just loved, 
loved juggling and he loved being on a unicycle and he wanted to master it. To it, it made him happy. It yeah, made, you know, he, it. he was buzzing off of it. And we, we'd be there and we'd do, what what's that happening? Man? What's that <laughs> yeah. man doing? And it just make us smile as well. It allows you to decompress uh, as yeah. well, doesn't it? And, and that was this way of, yeah. of, of, you know, you could see he was buzzing from it. It was, but it was just something completely off the cuff. That yeah. You thought, wow. But it didn't, you know, it didn't affect his performance. That's it. Within the arena as such or on, on the battlefield. So, um, you know, go and cycle, cycle around camp, juggle as much That's as it. you want. Yeah, exactly. As long as it's having a positive effect on you, you. Yeah, therefore it. having a positive effect on the team. And that's what it does is you as an individual, what it brings to the team. And, and mm. that's any work, walk of life. That's office base, mm. that's life, friendship, whatever. It's like, yeah, don't be sort of solitary. Mm-hmm. Be as part of a group and part of a team, mm. but also be aware of what makes you happy as a person. I think that's a great message. Real challenge. great message yeah. for players. Um, a real great message for uh, for teams. Yeah, don't be afraid to be yourself. Itself. It's yeah, it's huge. Yeah. Well, listen, Chris, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on, ah, mate. For um, me. It's great to get into the mindset of not only what happens behind the scenes, um, but what these guys, these players, actually go through. You know, they get a hard time, but ultimately, you know, I think the message for the players would be, you know, talk. Yeah, open up more, yeah. be, be yourself afraid. more, be yourself. you know, and recognize, I would say to them, recognize the negative distractions to the positive distractions yeah. and, uh, you know, cut them out. And that's certainly what I've done in the military, which made me perform my optimum on the battlefield. Whatever was positive that made me a positive uh, individual that would enhance my performance and the team's performance, I would take on board anything else. Yeah, it's, you know, it's dealing with that, isn't it? It's yeah. dealing with that negative side of it and, mm. and how to deal with it. But Chris, you've got huge positive energy here, mate. I've loved having you on board. Thanks for having me. And thanks for coming on. Brilliant. Thank you. Cheers, mate.